Welcome to this episode of Tell Me More, where we talk about marriage and the roles that we play and are some out of bounds, are some good, are some bad. What do we do? Dennis Wiles, tell us everything. So it's fun. We enjoy it. And listen up. And we're glad you're here with us. Well, hey, welcome to Tell Me More, everyone. Tell me more. We have a lot. I have a lot that I would like the pastor to tell me more about t- today. I think we, this is going to be a record-breaking string of Tell Me More episodes. <laughs> no, we're going to keep it succinct today. We are. Okay. Mm-hmm. We are. Keep we're it tight. Only, okay. Got it. We're focused. Ready, set, go. What do you mean by headship? No, I'm just kidding. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll roll. Did you say headphones? Oh, I have headphones yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's about? start there. We're in a studio recording a podcast, the nature of which is to learn more about the sermon topic. That's right. Um, in the room today is Dr. Dennis R. Wiles mm. and Luke Stair mm-hmm. and me, Katie Reed Hodges. Mm-hmm. And the I normal, do. The normal crew. We do. I do. We do. I do. Tell me more about that. <laughs> well, it's just, I just wanted to remind everybody that there's an I and a we in in a marriage. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do. But then once you get married, then we have to live together and make decisions. And we do most things together. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I yeah. do. Marriage is a big deal. I do get you in. But then it we becomes do. pretty quickly we do. Can I ask <laughs> our, our fun question for the week? Yes. About marriage. Please. How many years have each of you been oh, married? Oh, that's a good question. Go, Katie. Uh, it'll be four in, in two weeks. We're two, Congratulations. We're two weeks away from four years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Does it feel like shorter or longer? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. What is this? April? In June, uh, Cindy and I will be married 42 years. Congrats. Mm-hmm. Thank you. In August, Kelsey and I will have been married for 10 years. 10. Oh, that's Get a big it. one. That's a it big is. one. Yeah. That's like a diamond. Luke, no. it, you, you got married relatively young then. We did. At yeah. what age did you get we married? We were both 23. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's not crazy young, but what it is, is, you know. What is a 10-year? Diamond? Sapphire? Ruby? My mother-in-law's a jeweler. I'll ask her. Okay, I don't right. know. I really I'm don't. Sure. Cardboard? I can't remember what they mm, all are. I know, you know they all have something. Paper's the first one, right? Yeah, 42's nothing. 42 is just be grateful. I'm um, pretty sure. It should, it, let it be noted that Dr. Dennis R. Wiles and Cindy and my parents got married like a month apart. Whoa. So my, you know, my parents will celebrate 42 wow. in May. Yeah. Exciting. And all in June. Yeah. So you could be my dad. Mm-hmm. Could almost be. Almost. <laughs> but a month off. I'm one month off. Uh, yeah. But I, you're, you were married in 81. I was born much later. Wow. I mean, years wow. later. <laughs> okay. It was a named. great year. <clears throat> so I hear. Like I was it. not around. Yep. Um, yep. Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. Mar- marriage. in marriage. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. Well, yeah. marriage in the church, mm-hmm. people have different opinions on it. That's right. And marriage in the scriptures, people have different opinions on it. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about it because mm-hmm. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I would say yep. overall. Big picture and what I'd hope to accomplish Sunday morning was to invite everyone into this conversation, no matter who you are, if you're a part of the church, you're a part of the covenantal community of God. Mm-hmm. And so we should all, as members of a local church, we should all be respectful of the covenantal relationships that God's put in place. So obviously church, but marriage is a covenantal relationship that is, I believe, it's an institution the Lord himself put in place. So we, as church members, mm-hmm. Followers of Jesus, we should be respectful of, supportive of, defenders of marriage. And uh, so just wanted to put it in that context Sunday morning. It wasn't really designed to be a how to get along with each other in marriage or a marriage Mm -hmm. enrichment seminar. It was more of a, hopefully a biblical theological reflection, which is why I tried to do some of that to Mm -hmm. make sure that we're thinking about these things theologically Mm -hmm. and holistically, Mm -hmm. that marriage is an institution the Lord has um, given to us, and we should be respectful of it. And and the reason that I even mentioned the the struggle that the Methodist Church and the Anglican Church is having is that it's just a, it's a relevant conversation. It's not like well we had this conversation years ago and nobody <laughs> nobody even thinks mm-hmm. about it anymore. Well, no, actually, it's still a conversation yeah. that mm-hmm. that churches are having, 
and it's a relevant, I would say, necessary one. So just trying to, um, on one hand, be respectful and acknowledge that there are many different views about it, mm-hmm. but that we as individual members of a body of believers should be respectful of the institutions the Lord has put in place. So that was the general overall gist of mm-hmm. the rest of the message. I appreciated that. So, <clears throat> And I like the theological background, too, because marriage is one of the dominant images in Scripture. Correct. I'm mean, <clears throat> talking with yeah, Kitty before you came it. in. I mean, the Bible begins and ends with a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Adam and Eve as the first couple that get married, and Scripture opens with that uh, on page two. Mm-hmm. And then the Bible ends with the wedding of the people of God and Christ. Right. Um, so yeah. it is <clears throat> one of the dominant images that we have mm-hmm. to describe our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So we should take it seriously, I think, and understand it. And um, so, okay, in seeking to understand, mm-hmm. I've got a few questions about it mm-hmm. that, that I am that I'm guessing that our people also have. Sure. You know, I'm not just asking of just course. to ask. Certainly not any kind of gotcha, but just not quite devil's advocate. But certainly, when we talk about marriage, there are certain things I think that come up. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, at least in my, and I'm not in academia. I mean, I went to seminary, but mm-hmm. some of my seminary um, colleagues went on into academia and, mm-hmm. you know, I follow some of them and there is debate even there about like, is it all just a social construct? Right. It, you know, um, one question that Luke and I were kind of batting around is when we get to the new Testament, marriage is pretty clearly defined as like this monogamous man and woman mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. unit Correct. for life, mm-hmm. but not so in the old Testament. I mean, polygamy is I say everywhere that might be dramatic, but it I mean, exists. It exists. Not that it's blessed by God, but Correct. that it's in a lot of places and it's talked about so normally mm-hmm. that it's not like polygamy and then an asterisk that says, well, this isn't God's best. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be what we teach our kids now. But mm-hmm. so the, the evolution of marriage, and I think, I think some people that are more liberal than I might say something like, really, marriage is kind of up to you mm-hmm. and maybe your faith tradition mm-hmm. and your own conviction and mm-hmm. family unit. What might you say back to that? Um, I couldn't disagree with that more. <clears throat> so, <laughs> speaking well, okay. So, my second question is <laughs> shock, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Lord. Well, I would say you're right. The Old Testament, uh, as I said yesterday, when you read the Old Testament, you start off with Adam and Eve. So, here is the very first couple. And so the Lord did not start with the design of polygamy. So that at least tells me something. God Before the fall. Right. I mean, in, in the, the garden. Fall, it's not like God mm-hmm. created Adam and then Eve and, you know, how many of her other women. Yeah. It was just Adam and Eve. Or you could even say, since Adam was created first, but it was even Adam as well. So you have this first couple. And, um, and it appears to me this is God's original design. When I read the stories of the Old Testament, I think what's supposed to be happening is I'm supposed to just be paying attention. What am I learning? Mm-hmm. And so there are examples of polygamy in the Old Testament for sure, but I don't believe God blesses them. Um, and so, for example, probably the most famous one for me is Jacob, mm-hmm. you know, working for Laban and mm-hmm. thinks he's getting Rachel, but he gets Leah. But the Lord doesn't tell Jacob, okay, go ahead and get Rachel as well. But as y'all know, he does. And then you remember as they begin their life, and I think Leah has a baby, Rachel can't have children. And the next thing you know, both both Leah and Rachel come with concubines. So the next thing you know, Jacob's having children by Rachel's concubine, and then Leah can't have children. So now he's having Mm -hmm. children by Leah's concubine. Mm -hmm. Rachel finally gets pregnant. And it's Joseph, Jacob's favorite, which makes sense. This is the woman he loves. These are some complicated family dynamics. Correct. And Hmm. so look at what happens. So Joseph is born, and he gets the coat of many colors. And Mm -hmm. as y'all remember, his brothers were all excited about it, thought it was awesome. Yes, loved it. High fives everywhere. They wrote the Dolly Parton song about it. (laughs) So proud of him and glad for him. Um, so much so they just decide to kill him they one day. They just went ahead and put him in a pit. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so obviously I'm reading that thinking. You're okay. reading it as a little brother. Yeah, right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> True. <laughs> Another but day. also reading it as someone going, yeah. okay, you know, Jacob, Yeah. You have, you have created quite a mess. God still redeemed it. These mm-hmm. become the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. 
But I think I'm supposed to read this and go, mm. Just because God makes good out of something doesn't mm-hmm. mean it was his right. intent all that's along, right? right. So, yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. And then I come to the New Testament, and Jesus addresses marriage. And he addresses it from a, a pre-fall perspective. It was in, when he's asked about it. Mm-hmm. A man will leave his father and mother, cleave yep. into his wife. There'll mm-hmm. be one flesh. Mm-hmm. So Go back to that me, garden before we... It. You got Jesus. That's what I would Jesus blesses the monogamy, the original design. I believe Paul does. <clears throat> and so I think we're— And we're Jesus people. I mean, that's just good that's hermeneutic. That's so right. when you go to the scriptures— That's right. So if, if someone Jesus talks says about me, it, yeah, that's, right. that's the lens we're you looking through, I'm right? A, I'm a lordship of Christ person. Are you? So Sunday morning— T- Tell I, me more. I remember no, that. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I would say to—I have friends who are to the left of me— um, and jokers to the right. No, I have friends to the left of me who would say, um, you know, okay, this is a social construct. Well, okay. But but a, a part of my theological commitment is also biblical authority. And so, and I read the scripture progressively because mm-hmm. I believe in progressive revelation. Right. We've and so about the that New before. Testament, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. Is brings that authoritative word into my life, mm-hmm. and so the New we're, we're New Covenant Jesus people. You got it, and it's clearly mm-hmm. and that colors everything else in the scriptures. Clearly right? monogamous, yep. more than a social construct, an institution divinely blessed by God. An institution divinely blessed by God. Mm-hmm. A good it's word. Good. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm uh, well. You heard it here, on folks. Solid ground here, yeah. I believe theologically. Good. <laughs> so yeah. Well, um, I have more questions, but Luke, yeah. I mean. I don't want to dominate. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it good. It is my podcast. It is. Your, your name is on <laughs> exactly it. Exactly right. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I mean, as we think about this too, I also, we, I think we all have friends to the theological left and to the theological Absolutely. right. I think about my friends to the theological left on this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they would say, well, Jesus says these things, but when you talk about marriage, you're reading Paul. Mm-hmm. And why do we, why do we read Paul? Well, in general, we talked about this in here, people to the theological left struggle with just Paul. Mm-hmm. It, it, they struggle to reconcile Paul and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Maybe people to the right too, but certainly our friends to the left. Yeah, because they think Paul says some things that just aren't the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, and so if those two things conflict in their mind, you choose Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I get that right. argument, but mm-hmm. yeah. Once again, I could not disagree more with that view. We're just playing a little tennis, a little tennis we here are. in the studio. Well, and I think what do you think is... about this? Rejected. Well, okay. <laughs> what do you think about that? I also think what we're rejected. doing here today is valuable though, because I think sometimes for maybe oh, some of our these listeners, questions are, they may not be know. aware that there are conversations like this happening, mm-hmm. or they may encounter Christians to the theological left or to the theological right mm-hmm. and not necessarily know the background behind those assumptions. And so I think what we're doing here yeah. is valuable today. And just illuminating that there are different ways that Christians are reading Scripture. That's right. Why do we as a church read Scripture in the way that we do? Because mm-hmm. um, we're Jesus people. Because we're Jesus people. Right? But we're well, also Paul people. And I, but yeah. I appreciate Dr. Wells yesterday saying something like, we don't worship the Bible. That's right. We worship the God revealing the Bible. That's right. So it's authoritative, but it's not the end yeah. to which we that's worship. Right. And I think that's very valuable. Worshiping the Bible would be idolatry. Right. Mm-hmm. And it and it. It's out there. Mm-hmm. It is. You know? We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God who stands behind the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that we seek to understand right. God, not just the but you know, words. I, you know, people, I would say this about Jesus and Paul. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. So Paul is just as much, if not more, a Jesus person than any three of us sitting in this room. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe he spent time with Jesus miraculously mm-hmm. and had um, and the inspiration of the Spirit of God in a way that I don't. And <clears throat> and I believe these visions that Paul had when he writes about them in 1 Corinthians, mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians, and the encounter he has on the road to Damascus, and in Galatians, I believe that he, he had a relationship with Jesus that was in some ways perhaps unique because of his, his unique apostleship. Because mm-hmm. I've asked you that question in here. Mm-hmm. And Paul's like one of the leading authorities on Jesus, and he didn't walk with them. That's right. You know. That's right. But that's you have explained well. That's what I believe. Just that so special relationship they have. The last thing I would say about Paul is that he would contradict Jesus. That yeah. that to me is mm-hmm. not even a possibility. Well, it's a possibility, I guess, humanly, but in, but in terms of Scripture, it's an absolute impossibility. Mm-hmm. I believe he totally reflects Jesus, and he helps explain the way of Jesus in 
particular instances that weren't necessarily um, needed when Jesus was teaching. For example, Paul has to address the organization of the church. Well, that wasn't really necessary yet with Jesus. The church didn't, didn't really exist mm -hmm. yet, but Paul had to tackle it and mm -hmm. help us understand these roles within the church. Um, and so I do believe Paul helps codify some things theologically for us uh, in a unique way. And uh, so I'm a, I'm a big Paul guy. I believe very much in what Paul had to say. And I don't believe in any way it contradicts Jesus. And I mm -hmm. think when you do that, you're really on shaky hermeneutical ground, in my opinion, because, because that very same kind of thinking leads you to question whether or not you embrace all the teachings of Jesus or not, mm -hmm. you know? And y'all know that also there's a school out there that mm -hmm. does that. You've kind of got the red letter edition mm -hmm. of the Bible and the pink letter edition, you know, where we don't know for sure these are the words of Jesus, so they're not right. quite red. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you, to me, just hermeneutically, you've already walked uh, in a direction I'm incredibly uncomfortable with when you start trying to draw that dichotomy. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who will do that. So. As much as I am a Jesus person, and I'm going to, I believe I'm going to follow him. I'm always reading the Gospels. I've said that to y'all before. I'm, I'm always reading the Gospels. But I believe Paul's understanding of Christian theology, as it's laid out in the Scripture, is authoritative for us. Mm. Now, I would also say, um, you know, years ago before any of us were born, me included, um, W.T. Mm -hmm. Connor taught theology at Southwestern Seminary, mm -hmm. okay. and Dr. Connor was fond of saying, you have to let the Bible say what it says, and then you have to let the Bible mean what it means. And so he would challenge you to do your textual work first. You got to let the Bible say what it says, so figure out what does it say. And his interpretation of that was, what did it say then? And then you've got to determine, so what does that mean? And that's the, that's the hard work of, mm -hmm. of, of interpretation. And so we've got to allow Paul to speak contextually. Mm -hmm. He lived mm -hmm. in a real first century, and he had real issues that he had to deal with mm -hmm. that are somewhat foreign to us. And so there are times when we're called upon to, to let the text say what it says first and then decide what does that really mean. So, mm -hmm. for example, Paul says, man, this whole conversation about meat offered to idols. Well, as soon as you and I read that, we go, okay, what, I, I got something to do here in just a minute. What, what are you saying? I mean. That feels like it has no relevance to us. I get it. But Paul's talking about relationships within the church. Well, that has a whole lot to do with us. Mm -hmm. So we watch how he treats that issue to help us understand how to treat the issues of our day with regards to relationships within the body. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? So mm -hmm. I know it does to y'all. So, you know, we've got to let Paul live in first century skin and not force him into 21st century mold. That's mm -hmm. very unfair mm -hmm. to him. Um, and so... When we were at Truett, they I, talked about i say they are professors the three worlds so if you're like looking at a jesus story there's there's the story that jesus is telling the parable or his mm -hmm. you know the only his action and there's also the world in which the first century was living you know what context it's in and then there's our world that we're living in and reading through and you have to mm -hmm. kind of discern those three stories yeah. those three mm -hmm. narratives and then right. that can help you understand how it all comes together yeah. you know things that are not written to us but for us we're looking yeah. over the shoulder of paul and I would and add to, to that, too, that. that we also have to grapple with. There's a way that these texts have been read throughout history, and that may have been a good reading or a poor reading, but we also still mm. live with the way we that these texts, we inherit tradition. the way the text yeah. has been Correct. used. That's right. That's a great word, Luke. And then I would also say that for some reason, and I guess this is just true of humanity, human beings in general, we we like neat we like neat categories and so we like to categorize things mm -hmm. in a way that's orderly to us and and then we hope it cleans up some of the mess and what i would tell you is for my my personal journey in hermeneutics um i've always been leery of of hardline ca theological categories because I believe I'm supposed to hold some things in tension mm -hmm. that are challenging to me, mm -hmm. and but they to me are signs of maturity and a willingness to be thoughtful. Mm. You know, so for example, yeah. um, if someone asks me, "Well, are you reformed in your theology?" Well, that's an interesting question to ask a Baptist preacher mm -hmm. because I'm a product of. 
the Reformation. I, m- my church would not exist had mm-hmm. there not been a Reformation. <laughs> so if right. you ask me, are you Reformed in your theology? Well, yes, I'm not a Roman Catholic, so I'm a Protestant. Mm-hmm. But I know what. But some, what do they mean? By I know that, what some Brian? people mean today when yeah. they're asking that question. What yeah. they're really asking me is, are you a Calvinist? Which I think is very interesting, and I understand. You know, to me, that mm-hmm. word's been co-opted a little bit, if I can say that respectfully. Mm. Martin Luther was. Y'all a didn't reformer. know we were getting into Calvinism yeah. today, well, but here we go. You know, Luther was a reformer. Zwingli was a reformer. Mm-hmm. Menno Simons was a reformer. Mm-hmm. So when you say, "Well, I'm reformed," well. Okay. As were. So was Balthazar Hubmeyer, you know, but you probably don't agree with him on some things. Um, but I know really what they're asking me. And the thing that to me that I would say in my response to that is, well, it depends. You ask me if I'm reformed. Now, first of all, I need to know what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll help you understand what I mean by that. But if you've got to somehow draw a theological category from a systematic theology perspective, and impose it on the text. And I realize you would probably argue with and say you actually built it from the text, but I know that sometimes it's imposed mm-hmm. on the text. Well, I'm just not comfortable with that because I'm going to have to hold some things in tension. Mm-hmm. So do I believe in the sovereign will of God? Yes. Do I believe in the free will of humanity? Yes. So I've got two things mm-hmm. that I've got to hold in tension, and I just have to live with that. Mm-hmm. There's always going right. to be a little bit of ambiguity mm-hmm. when I'm dealing with those categories. Whereas if I just slice it really cleanly and say, well, I'm just completely Arminian, you know, in other words, I'm the opposite of the main points of Calvinism. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't do that because I'm not comfortable with that, but I'm also not comfortable with the points of Calvinism that lead you to super lapsarianism where you get to the point where you're just way off the chart. Get it, Well, Mm. in other words, where everything is just double predestination, double Mm -hmm. election, Mm -hmm. damnation and salvation. You know what I mean? You get the point where you have no agency. Yeah, you've just gone out into the ditch. Okay, I guess that's okay. But to Mm me, I I feel like I'm called to hold things in tension. So, Ephesians 5. Mm -hmm. Back to marriage. I'm sitting here reading Ephesians 5. All right, and you're reading this text. And so I started Sunday morning with the end of the page. Okay, Mm -hmm. so. I did that for a reason, because I wanted to go back and reclaim after I did some theological reflection, mm-hmm. okay? But if you go to verse 21, okay, of Ephesians 5, um, where basically it tells us to submit ourselves to each other mm-hmm. out of fear, out of reverence, mm-hmm. phobos is the Greek word, mm-hmm. of Christ, okay? Question is, does that verse go with verses 1 through 20? And does it actually qualify, really, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. And then you get this series of participles in Greek defi- or describing a Spirit-filled person. Mm. And verse 21, the word submit, subject, uh, hupotasso, it is in the, it's a participle here, but, it's, but it's, a, it's a verbal form of this participle. So question is, what do you do with that? Does it go with verse 18? with these other participles, or does it actually introduce verses 22 and following? Mm. Well, my argument would be it introduces verses 22 and following because if you look at verse 22, it just says, and wives, as unto your your own husbands, it says, unto the Lord. So verse 22 has no verb in Greek, Mm. okay? So wives, Mm -hmm. unto your own husbands, um, Idoios is the Greek word for own. You're, 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 you're the one you, that's yours. Your husbands, as unto the Lord. Well, wh- how do you start a paragraph? So if 21 wasn't there, that's how right. you would scroll you into a, a new paragraph. Right. And in Greek, it's very common to go back, as y'all know, and claim the verb from the previous thought. I like how you say, as y'all know, um, which is well, very generous to me. Who I did take Greek in seminary. Well, I'm it's, rusty. It's very nice of you to <laughs> um, word it like that. Well, I'm just saying, you yeah. get, you, you've got you've to find a verb here. So verse 22 just says, wives unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, yeah. If I start my paragraph with that, yep. wives unto your own husband. What unto your own husbands? Uh-huh. But if you back it up to 21. Back up to 21, you've got submit, is subject, hupotasso, hupo, um, prefix that means under. Tasso, we get our word for like hypothermia, underthermia. Right, exactly. From that. And so the, the Greek word tasso means to put, put something in order, you know, to, to mm-hmm. fix it, you know. so. Under, order. under the order. So mm-hmm. submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. That's the whole lordship of Christ. 
mm-hmm. um, point that I made Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Then, what are some examples of submitting to each other? What does that mean to submit to each other? So then we hop into right. more practical. So we've got wives and husbands. Okay. And, um, and then Paul turns right around and says, husband, in my opinion, husband says, here's how you submit, so to speak, if you will, to your wives. Mm-hmm. You love them mm-hmm. like Christ loves the church. And as I said Sunday morning, and Luke, you can elaborate a little bit on this, on that, think about the Ephesian context, but the broader first century context, no one gave instructions to husbands. There was no need to instruct a husband. Everybody Mm -hmm. knew. (laughs) So if you're reading this or hearing it for the first time as a first century Christian, and wives do this, this, and this, okay, yeah, but then you hit verse 25, and it's husbands, husbands yes. you're going to perk up and you're going to yes. say, hmm. Why are you minute. telling me what to do? Correct. Why are and there, why are the, there even instructions for exactly. a husband? Exactly. And it's in the, you know, Greek has moods and you get to verse 25 and um, the word for love is in the imperative form. It's a command. Mm-hmm. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yeah. Very sacrificial love, wouldn't it be? And has fidelity commitment. Yes. Yeah. You're committed to her. And uh, just like Jesus is the savior of the world. And, you know, you, you, I don't think you, I would, I would mm-hmm. argue Paul's not saying the husband's the savior of the wife, but he's pointing out this was how serious Christ's role was to all of us. You know, he's, he's washed us. He's made us clean. Well, husbands, you've got a role in the home as well. And it's different than what you think it is as a first century husband to just be in control, be in charge, do whatever you want to do. Nobody holds you accountable. You can dismiss your children. You can dismiss your wife. You can do whatever you want to do because no one holds you responsible. No, not as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This idea of mutual submission in a home, to me, is, is laid out for us in this text. Now, let me back up. Remember I told y'all that I'm uncomfortable with categories. Mm-hmm. So in the theological conversation about these kinds of texts, you have the egalitarian view and the complementarian view. The right. complementarian view, the idea that men and women are created with unique roles that complement each other. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But that usually comes with headship. But you take it higher, higher, correct, that hierarchy. men are ruling over women, that women are subordinate to men. Mm-hmm. And when you start having that conversation, mm-hmm. well, then that's where I would say you've, you've pushed this too far. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said Sunday morning, if you go back and look at this text and these household codes, even though... Paul says the husband's ahead of the wife, okay? He does say that. Kephale is a Greek word, not RK. He doesn't say the husband rules over the wife. Because he could. He That's could've. a word he could have used, right? Of course. Right? Mm-hmm. You think Paul wouldn't? He was very smart. Yeah. Come on, y'all. Paul knew his words. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was educated in the finest institutions of his day. So he's, he's choosing his words well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he's under the inspiration of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't tell the wife to obey her husband. That's what you just said, Luke, about we've interpreted this through the years. So even in the old marriage vows, that word got written in based on this text, but that word's not in this text. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a willful submission as unto the Lord. In other words, you can interpret that well, just like you submit to the Lord. That's not how I believe Paul means it. What I think Paul is saying is you are committed to the Lord. So when you get married, you're going to enter into a marital relationship with some humility. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Correct. It's going to take both of you. That's why we do. Not just I do. We do. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to come together, and we're going to find relational congruence as Christians. And so when I, when I read verse 21, submit to each other, I would tell you in my own personal marriage uh, with Cindy and I, there are times when we come up against something, and if there's something that I just don't have any sense of leadership in, something we're trying to figure out, I'll ask Cindy. I, I don't know, and it's not that formal. Like, I'll ask it. What I mean is in our conversation, if we sense she has a deep conviction about something, Mm -hmm. I don't have it. We do what she feels convicted about. In other words, it's not like Mm -hmm. that I sit there and hold all the cards and say, well, let me, let me, let me review this Mm -hmm. and I'll get back to you. No, we've learned relationally congruence. And so there are times when, when I have said, well, you know, it seems like you're really impressed about this. This this seems to be what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Same is true with me. Now, Cindy would tell you that her understanding and her role, when it came to me making a major decision about my calling in, in ministry, 
she felt like her role in that was to be a part of it, to support it, to bless it, to pray with me, to walk alongside me. And then we got up to, I mean, we got up to the 99th point where we're together. Mm -hmm. And that last step, she would tell you, she takes her hands off and says, now, what do you, what do you feel called to do? Mm -hmm. Not we start out with, hey, Dennis. Is that because you're uh, the male? Or because it's your, I think it's, it's just, your calling. It's the way, it's, it's, your it's role. my calling. I, mean, I think. Like, would I, you do that for her? I guess I'm trying to reverse it. If Cindy has a major life decision, would you absolutely. also walk with her up to that yes, point? Absolutely. And then say, think that what is the spirit so, telling you? Right. So, for you example, I mean? we get, I think you're exactly right, Katie. You get to a point. And I'm not and, trying to put words in y'all's no, mouth no. at all. When you get to that last final point sometimes, we both have just learned through the years relationally to go, okay, you, you get, you, what is God you hear telling what I've you? said. Mm -hmm. I've heard what you've said. And and we'll keep praying with each other, and then at some point, one of us will pull the trigger, so mm -hmm, to speak. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to ask me, are you the spiritual leader in your home? I would say yes, but I would say it in a way that is just filled with with humility and grace, and it's done in such a way where we just we just walk in congruence. We've never had, in our forty two years of marriage, we've never had moments of major, massive life decisions that we've not made together. It's just, it's just never happened. You walk hand in hand beside correct. each other. You're not dragging Cindy along. That's correct. Like, come in here. You know? She we, was a huge we, part of that She story. was. Yeah. And at first, she was not for it. So why would I even, I could have mm -hmm. said, you know what? I'm the head of this I'm house. I'm the head of this mm -hmm. house. I'm the husband in this relationship. Here's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. No. I said, you know, it seems to me that if the Lord wants us to make a decision this massive, then we're going to be together on mm -hmm. this. And, and so- we walked away from it. <clears throat> and I don't mean to cut you off because that's yeah. that story is, well, you've told it recently. It's very powerful yeah. and it's very relevant to us mm -hmm. here. So I don't mean to cut that off at no. all. But I just think, I think it's very important for us to communicate this well to people because it's not hypothetical mm -hmm. in our, I mean, we have a large church and we have a lot of different marriages sure. that believe a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think there is uh, room for, you know, to lean one way or the other sure. within orthodoxy, but then there is mm -hmm. out of bounds that's mm -hmm. really Correct. hurtful. Correct. Um, and we, we can imagine it. And even somebody listening can, you know, my, oh, my kid's in this relationship that I don't, you know, it's not healthy and, and it can be a more dominant or maybe completely passive where the female thinks she doesn't need to take ownership of her faith because the guy's going to do it all. Right. Or the guy who thinks or he can opposite. just bark orders and his family mm -hmm. fall in line and it's it can be an abuse of scripture, maybe either way. And so I do think it's very valuable just to nuance it for our people to to get it right, right. because it can be very damaging if you get it wrong. Well, really, and both ways. Absolutely. And I would tell you, in my opinion, that's why I, that's why I chose my words carefully Sunday morning. <clears throat> Relational congruence to me <clears throat> is what we're after. And different marriages are going to have different ways of accomplishing that. And so, you know, there are some marriages that I've known through the years where the husband is a very strong force. And I don't mean I don't mean abusive, negative, mm -hmm. dominant. I don't mean that, but I mean that they just have that presence mm -hmm. in their relationship. And the wife in that home, I've seen them be incredibly healthy. Mm -hmm. strong person, mm -hmm. but that is the way they relate to each other. And they would even see this text as blessing and encouraging that. I would agree with that. I think that's fine. The, the kicker for me, <clears throat> as I shared Sunday morning, is that it's mutually beneficial. That's the thing to mm -hmm. me. Why, was, why would there be order in a home? Why would, a, why would Paul tell wives to be submissive to their husbands? Well, in the Ephesian context, which we talked a bit about this before the podcast, mm -hmm. and Luke, you might want to elaborate more on that. I can do that. This was a strange city. We know that. This was a very odd, um, idol-worshipping, yeah. contextual flavor in the community. So Yeah, there's something different <clears throat> about Ephesus as opposed to the rest of the Greco-Roman world mm -hmm. in that it is the home of the cult of the Greek goddess Artemis, who's the goddess of, among many things, the moon, virgin, uh, the hunt. But most prominently, virginity and womanhood. Um, and so you have a cult worshiping Artemis, and so you would have women in this society basically buck Greco-Roman norms and deny their husbands, or, um, and we see this play out later in First Timothy, they would deny their husbands sex. They would 
Um, they would braid their hair. They'd wear hoops in their ears. They had a specific mode of dress, which we see play out in First Timothy, which is also written to the Ephesian church. Um, so it's a different city in some ways. Um, you know, the entire ancient world has... They, they would make us blush. They would make even, oh. I think, the most sexually liberal yes, person. I in think our we have mentioned blush. that, but if you think America is yeah. wild, mm-hmm. you know, footloose and fancy free, go to Corinth. Go to, yeah, I mean, Ephesus. literally. Anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you blush at Vegas, <clears throat> yeah. go check out the ancient world. It was, <laughs> right? I mean, just for the perspective shift. Mm-hmm. So in a marriage. If you think the sky is falling. Yeah, in a marriage, it the wife be. was. <laughs> it has before, too. <laughs> to use your wife for sexual pleasure was considered immoral. Your wife, you only had sex with your wife for the purpose of childbearing in the Greco-Roman world. This is not the Jewish world, the Greco-Roman culture. Your wife, you only had sex with her to bear children. Anything else dishonored her. So when you wanted sexual pleasure, you had to go do it with, I mean, just literally anybody or anything else. Um, And and that's exactly literally anybody or anything. To respect your wife and her her role. And so then you read this. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, now, wives, as you are relating to the Lord now, be submissive to your husband. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially, covenantally, securely, in a way that um, mimics the way Christ loves us. Even like you love your own bodies, he'll go on and say. Mm. So Which think cont- about contextualizes that, that doesn't Correct. It? Mm-hmm. So now, and then wives, respect your husbands. Mm-hmm. That's the command. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, you're, you're, Paul is addressing mutually beneficial relationships in the home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I believe couples have to find their way in it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what I was going to say while I go is some people say, well, if they're complementarian or they're egalitarian. Egalitarian would be there's complete, they're completely equal. Mm-hmm. There's no difference between men and women. That's the extreme. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with both of those simply because. I believe men and women are different, okay? I'm just, I'm in my common sense and in my understanding of creation and the way the Lord has designed this, we're just different. You know, we're about to have the NFL draft. There will not be a woman drafted in the NFL draft. It's just not going to happen. Men and women are just different. It just is what it is. That's a physical thing, okay? I mean, physically, we're just different. We're designed differently. Um, God's created women to be able to bear children. We can't do that. They can very naturally nurture children. Um, you've just been through this, Katie. I mm-hmm. mean, a woman can feed her own children. Mm-hmm. Okay, think about that. We, for me and Luke, someone like that's that's just so foreign to us. Right, and I have we, had many a discussion about. Yeah, we, we're just different. I guess gender, just yeah. the roles that we play. That's right, and we're pretty egalitarian. Yeah, I mean, but it, it hopefully is, not off the cliff, whatever that is. Right, but we're. we're we're pretty co-equal right. before God. That's right. how we function in our home. And there's relational Yet, congruence. We uh, we play very different roles in creating these babies. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's I just mean, how it is. and our body's right. physical, physiological reaction Correct. to all that is just different. Right. And I think that Paul is addressing some of that here, <clears throat> Katie. That's how I see it. Can I? I don't want to. Um, I don't mean to have a got you moment, but I wonder if there's a little bit that people are listening and it's kind of left on the table. And so I'll ask this, and I kind of want both y'all's opinion. Because you talked about you, you, you know of families and that are healthy, but just have the men are they're just um, the way they're wired, the way they're created by God is to be pretty. Uh, they're leaders. They're dominant is a word you use mm-hmm. in a good way. Um, and the women are naturally a little more happy to live in that right. world. Sure. What if we flipped it? How would mm-hmm. you feel about that? Because I know uh, really, and I don't want to get into too many like uh, stories of my friends, but I do have some female friends who have strong leadership qualities. And married men who are a little bit more nurturing, mm-hmm. and I can think of one particularly, if the first 10 years of their marriage, they were in a Christian context that really didn't know what to do with that, and it was very hurtful for them, because mm-hmm. they kept telling the guy, you need to lead your family, yeah. and you need to get your wife to kind of shut up. I mean, that's, that's I'm putting words in their mouth. Right. And my friend, the female, who's very strong, was like, okay, but I'm not living into what God has gifted me in. And it's about a decade later that they realized, actually, we could follow Jesus faithfully and I can lead like I'm built and, and he can nurture our kids the way he feels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it can be. So anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, but people can imagine with me what's going on there. But how do you how how do you feel about that? How do you feel scripturally? What do you think that looks like? Can that can that can God bless that? Or is there error in that? I'd like both of y'all's opinions on that, if that's OK. Well, I, w- I would say yes. I mean, 
Because it's congruent? Is yes. that the word? Uh, yeah. Right. And as long as you're being faithful to the Lord, you're trying to honor Him in what you do, I would even say that in some ways that if if your friend is that way, and she has the right spirit, again, we we, we all can be arrogant and, mm-hmm. and you know, defiant. Mm-hmm. But if there's a spirit of humility about it, and in some ways, I would even argue that if her husband, if they're in agreement, if this is how they've chosen to relate to each other, in a sense, she is de- she is exhibiting an element of submission to her husband mm-hmm. because she's playing the role that's needed in that family with one another. And I realize some people say, well, then that if you do that, you're totally out of line. You're out of line with Ephesians 5. I would, I would argue that Ephesians 5.21 serves as the foundation for trying to figure this out. Which is this mutual submission. Because right. not now, everybody at home uh, has the Bible in correct. front of them. Yeah. Right. Now, in the first century, there's no question, you know, it's, if, you, if you saw a family. Well, it is hard because in the first century, yeah. a woman's not going to just be in the marketplace leading correct. her family. No. And we know I mean, this. It is what it is. Right. The husband's ahead of the wife, period. I mean, that's just yeah. the way it is. And, I mean, literally, they're not like. <clears throat> It wasn't until, what, 1970 that women could even get mortgages in America. So, I mean, I, right. I understand the context in which we're right. – this is a new phenomenon. We are I get living it. in a different day. But, but to me, it's uh, yeah. about humility. Because to, to me, that exhibits Tenor. health. Yeah. It's mutual submission. Correct. In some ways, practically playing mm-hmm. to your strengths. I mean, I think, yes. Ryan, I think Ryan and I play to our strengths. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Luke, I, w- I wanted your opinion, too, and I'm talking yep. – No, I mean, me. I, think, I think Kelsey is a strong leader. I, I mean, I don't know how to evaluate that within my own marriage on who's – more dominant or more nurturing. Um, I mean, we live in a marriage probably in ways like yours that we don't always fit traditional gender norms. I, I do most of the cooking. Um, yeah, you're a wonderful baker. I think we've yeah. mentioned that in here. But I mean, so we have different skill sets and different mm-hmm. abilities. And so things that classically get assigned to one gender or the other don't always fit in our household. So I cook all our meals. My brother cooks all the meals in their house. And that's because when my mom was raising us, she was determined that her two sons would not leave their house not knowing how to cook. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to raise helpless people. Mm-hmm. Um, good job. Good job. Mrs. Stare. Jeannie, yeah. thank you. Jeannie. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be in trouble at my house, but keep going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure Ryan got the Jeannie Stare <laughs> <in> blessing. <laughs> and I love Christy Drake. I love Ryan's mom. Right. But Ryan can't do a thing in the kitchen. Yeah. And, you know, It's not his strength. But that's, yeah. and so yeah. we, I think that's what it is. You have different personalities. And hopefully if those two people have come together and one person is more of a strong leader and one person is more nurturing, whether that's the man or the woman. It is. That's the submission. I think the ground is level at the foot of the cross and ultimately who we're submitting to is Jesus. And then we're using our gifts and our households in a way that benefits each other and benefits our families. Because ultimately the goal here in marriage is that we're learning how to love each other and love God Mm -hmm. more uh, and be kind of a microcosm of the church um, and that we're using our gifts to glorify God. So Mm -hmm. if that's the woman being a leader in those ways and her husband is nurturing at home and they are submitting to one another and to God ultimately. And I think that's God honoring. Um, if it's the other way and it's the man who is leading and the woman who's nurturing and they're both submitting to God and to each other and that's the arrangement that's most beneficial for their family, I think that's God honoring. Um, this is, it sounds silly, but it's about what works. What works for two people, um, a husband and a wife, and what makes sense. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think I would say I think men, some of this is generational too, I think, in some ways, <clears throat> even our conversation. You know, I come from a different generation than y'all. And so I realize there's there's probably some influence there. But I would say that because of my belief that men and women are just different, mm-hmm. men have a role to play. Just like you said last week, Katie, with these kids, you said, you know, fathers just have a certain way with their children that's just different than mothers. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible tells Powerful. dads, Powerful role you Don't exasperate your children. He doesn't tell moms that. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell it to moms, but it says it to dads. Well, that, that's because dads can exasperate their kids <laughs> in a way that I think is just unique. I think men have a certain, um, I don't like the word power, but if I use it, I want you to hear it in the right sense. They have a certain power in how they relate. And I think that God wants us to take that and use it for his glory and for his good and for the good of our families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a strength in men that needs to be captured and bridled by the Spirit of God, used in a positive way 
so that our children see strong men who are humble before the Lord, who care about the things of God, who understand their the tenor of who they are doesn't have to always have that rough edge to it, that there can be a tender heartedness and that doesn't in any way disqualify you from being that strong person. Mm-hmm. And and I think that sometimes it's harder for men. Mm-hmm. That may be why you have so much more material here trying to help <laughs> men understand. Do this right here, you know. So Paul could have said, hey, love your wives. And and I think guys would have had to go, okay. Mm. But instead, mm. Paul knows we need a little more than that. You know, like he, he says, hey, wives, respect your husbands. He didn't tell you how to do it. Because I think there's a certain innate awareness in a woman to understand how to do that. Again, I'm being stereotypical, if that's okay. But for men, love your wives. Let me tell you how to do it. Um, love your wives like Jesus loves the church. Oh, okay. uh, uh, love your wives like you love your own bodies. Okay, that go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I think we just, in general, men need more instruction about how do you actually do that. And so I think that's what Paul does, and he gives it to us. And so I think you can go to seed on anything mm. if you want to. Mm-hmm. You just can. I mean, God created Adam first. It is what it is. That's the way the story is told. That is what happened. And so if you want to say that the man is the head of the wife, well, the man was created first, okay? just mm-hmm. That's just the story. Mm-hmm. But again, he didn't say the man rules over. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, the head means you're responsible for it. You're, you, you've got a certain obligation to make sure this thing's healthy. And I think that, and I'm, I'm this, we, we should probably be landing the plane and I'm going to just uh, speculate because that's what we do in here. But I think that text <laughs> is very interesting because, and I agree, I really, really do. Um, but also God looked at it and was like, this, I, I, this man can't be alone. That's this right. isn't good. It's not good. I will create a companion for him. Right. And I think if you just creatively and you were to flip it, I think it could be seen as like, if it was a female, like mm, too weak to be by herself, must create man to rule over her. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right, and so yeah. it's a very fascinating, like it is. it is man was created first, but right. it, but, and then God said, this, this isn't the way not it ought good. to be. Incomplete. Let me create a mm-hmm. companion, helper. a helper, the same word used for God as a helper in the exactly. Old Testament, a very high view. But I think if you, and I just, as I read it in seminary, I remember thinking if that was reversed mm-hmm. and you had little lady Eve by herself <laughs> And and you would you would read it as oh she cannot be here by herself we must create strong helper man you know what I mean yeah. and so it's a fascinating I still view it that way to be honest with you I look at Adam and think he just couldn't, he just do, couldn't it. do it Mm-mm. and it's just not the way we're created that's right you, you know do it. and again that's not a, a a slant on singleness no at no all. no it's about no. Yeah. solo you yeah. know it's not, not life is not alone. made to be that's alone right. exactly so and then the whole procreation yeah. of the race and multiplying all that yeah marriage is a beautiful thing right. and I think that, that to me. The church is here now to support all this and mm-hmm. to help families find their way, mm-hmm. you know, help mm-hmm. men love their wives. That's to me, that's an incredible challenge. I feel the obligation as a pastor to speak into men's lives, to say to them, are you, I mean, are you really loving your wife mm-hmm. like Christ loves the church? Does she know that? Does mm-hmm. she experience that? Does she sense that there's that much sacrificial tenor to y'all's relationship? Because that's a powerful gift in a marriage, mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I believe that women in general, wives, respond to that kind of love. I also think they know when it's not there. They do. They just, to me, innately know when the love is selfish and controlling. And, and sometimes I think that men can, can act that way. Mm-hmm. And that's why you've got to point to Jesus, you know? And I think that for me, marriage, um, and it's, it's, it's odd to me today how people are, are uh, I feel like, trying to redefine it. I, you know, I live in a free country, so I'm, I understand people can do whatever. But I would say don't, don't redefine my words for me. So like right now, you know, well, well can, can you be involved in a polyamorous relationship called it marriage? Well, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call it something else. You know, it's mm-hmm. like one time I heard somebody. Thruple. Yeah. Um, Somebody asked Lee Trevino, they asked this golfer about a certain golfer, and they said, well, this guy's had a great year. And Trevino said, well, if he's had a great, if, if his year is a great year, then come up with another word for Jack Nicholas. Because mm. <laughs> mm. we always say Jack Nicholas had a great year. Well, then, well, then whatever Jack had wasn't great, because if this was great, I feel that way about marriage. Well, don't call it marriage. Marriage is marriage. It mm-hmm. is what it is. 
and that's what we're trying to protect and defend and love and bless and support. And, uh, and it's honorable and it's worthwhile. And I would just say, I'm grateful that, that even some of the questions I got yesterday shows me my, my people that I'm pastoring are interested in this. They want to get it right. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Mm-hmm. Let's keep, we're in a conversation. Let's keep trying to get it right. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the conversation mm-hmm. and the community to live in as I do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great a nice, word. To yes, end on. I have so many more questions, but not today. <laughs> not today. Not today, Dennis Wiles. Well, it's all good. It's good. Well, I'm grateful for the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And I look forward to next week. To be continued. Next week, parenting, right? That's not complicated <clears throat> at all. Teach me everything. No. Yeah, teach me your ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm. See you next week. listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.